poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and John Chai. Welcome, 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 my friends, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. And today is Tuesday, which for the past year and a half is pretty much the only day that we've been doing podcasts. So, of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Jonathan Chai. How you doing, sir? Doing good. We're back from the, the poker coaching world or the poker coaching podcast. Yeah, yeah. We wandered to the nearby booming metropolis and spread spread our wisdom to a different audience for for a week and now we're back in our usual spot here on the cpg youtube channel as well as you know apple podcasts and, and all that so yeah it was fun last week we, we went for an hour um i think that for regular listeners of tactical tuesday uh there was a lot of lot lot more inputs than I'm used to um, when we're recording these shows where it's just you and I and there's like chat that's going on where we're kind of answering questions chat and um, I I know that I, I I probably did a pretty terrible job of describing the board for the listeners of the podcast uh, in audio format so for that I apologize but. You know, I'm we also getting... weren't sure if we were live or not, like three times. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that's true. It, it 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 was because YouTube told me that there was no connection, so I assumed. You know, what what, what do I do? And then I just sat there like a dummy for ten seconds, and yeah, you know, like I, I'm pretty sure. You know, before we went on, um, Justin Saliba told me, "All right, like, you know, th- this is what you got to do for YouTube. You got to capture their attention straight away. You know, you got to got to just let the listener know what they're going to get." right off the bat. And so what did I do? I went live and then stared at the camera for 10 seconds before I said anything, uh, because I didn't know if it was actually live or not. I learned that there's a delay in the, in the feed, um, back to me. So yeah, I would say not the fiery start that I anticipated, but it was still good experience, fun time and, uh, hope to do it again sometime in the relative near future. And with all that said, uh, you know, if, if you're one of those that are like, yes, I, I know that it was, the action was very difficult to follow. Um, I would suggest going to YouTube and subscribing to chasing poker greatness on YouTube, as well as the, the podcast format where YouTube has this miraculous thing called visuals. And it's really, really helpful <laughs> in following the action with all of that said, John, do we have a theme for today? Yeah. Uh, loose theme. Loose theme. Uh, it's going to be me being unsure of what to do on the river. Actually, I think in this first hand, it's like the rare river spot where all three options seem seem viable. Um, not so much in the second hand, but tough river spots at uh, 1K and 500. Zone. All right. Sounds like a plan. Let's see what we got going on. Uh, hand number one looks like you have a jack and a 10 of different suits jack of spades ten of diamonds cut off opens 2.5x 
Pretty easy call. Flop is queen, 10, seven. There's 55 in the pot. Uh, effective stack is 97.5 BBs. The villain in the hand started with 100 big blinds. So just standard stack size. They start out with a third here on queen, 10, seven. And this is, you know, kind of the, the first decision point. I think it maybe be more of a decision point if I had like, like a slightly better hand or uh slightly worse hand even. But I think with this like right in the middle marginal bluff catcher, I'm just gonna be starting out with the check call um well all day facing a third. I, I guess I didn't mean, you know, that you have options at this decision point. What 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 I really meant was that, you know, villain bet a third on Queen Ten Seven with the Queen Seven of Hearts. I think that probably says something about the situation. I'm not exactly sure what it says yet, but but I imagine that like small betting this board is probably not the preferred size. Um, it's probably supposed to be like a bigger bet board. So again, don't really know what to make of it, but that would be my first sort of like kind of just take it for what it is. Don't know if I'm going to use it or not or what it means, but am going to observe it so like the the full thought process that you're going through right now is like okay i i would expect like a larger c bet size on this board this villain went with a very small size which is a little unexpected what does that mean about this villain maybe it means that they are c betting a little bit too frequently maybe they are slightly on the weaker side maybe they're not even you know maybe they're, they're not even you know a reg at the end of the day but right now there's nothing that we can do there's nothing that we can exploit or nothing that we can change strategically with that info so just kind of like keep it in your back pocket until maybe there is an opportunity to use it. Yeah. Like I, I, I think that, you know, the sizing that they use kind of makes your decision for you, right? Like you have a hand that wants yeah. to continue, wants to realize equity and you have a good price because they bet small. So, you know, your decision on the flop is trivial and villain kind of makes it for you based on the size that they chose. I'm just kind of like thinking about what that size might mean for future, future considerations. Um, turn is an eight so now you have the old pair plus draw uh board is queen ten seven eight with two hearts and now two spades there's ninety dollars in the pot you check villain bets big ish not super big i guess like 75 percent ish um yep. or so they bet 65 into 90 uh i think again you don't really have much of a decision here on the turn. You're basically just pencil in to check call. Um, and there you go. River is the deuce of spades. So now you have second pair, the backdoor flush completed, and you have the backdoor flush blocker, which with the jack of spades, which is pretty nice. And now villain goes ahead and chooses the same size that they chose on the turn. Yeah, this is where I'm. Feels like I could do anything. Feels like I could fold. That would be fine. Feels like calling is at least on the table facing this size with a, with kind of what at the end of the day just looks like a a normal bluff catcher with second pair. Got a nice little straight blocker, nice little flush blocker. Then you start thinking about, well, I got a nice little straight blocker and a nice little flush blocker, and <laughs> <laughs> and I have a hand that like might be on the fence between you know calling and folding. Can we put raise on the table? Should we even, is this hand too strong to even think about raising? I feel like generally that's your feedback when I, when I bring these sorts of hands in, is that like, Hey, you know, this hand can very easily just go in your check calling range. I think you're 
you know, usually say that I think I'm like stretching or reaching too much for for bluff raises in this spot. Well, I mean, I would, I, I guess the first question that I would ask myself is like, what's the worst hand that they value bet? I, I mean, I don't know the answer to that. I don't think you know the answer to that, but like we can theorize, right? <laughs> the worst hand that they value bet, I would expect it to be like a strong queen. I don't think they would bet king queen, for instance. Like I, I, I think ace queen would be like yeah. the minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, with ace queen being the minimum, I, I that that's the first like thing that I think about when I'm considering raising. Right? It's like okay, so like I'm trying to fold out top pair, top kicker plus when I raise the river, and that that's like the specific range that I'm targeting here, um, in this spot when the backdoor flush completes, um. You know, there, there, you have some decent things going for you, I think, in that, you know, the queen is not a spade. So you do have like a fair amount of repability, like in your check call, check call, check raise range with like your queen high flushes. I think those hands would just make a lot of sense. Uh, it probably is going to boil down to like how often they fold two pair or set as to whether or not you should raise. My inclination is to think that they probably aren't folding out two pairs or sets as much as you need them to. So I would not raise personally and probably just end up calling the river. Why are you um, like, kind of like, why is like the threshold, like the two pair and set line? You know, why, why are you not thinking about like, oh, why, why isn't, you know, why don't we, why isn't it okay if we can just fold out all their over pairs or we need to start folding out some straights, maybe even to to think about raising here. Like, how how do you know where to draw the line? Well, because you're getting, you know, when you raise, right, you you have a price to bluff. Like, so essentially, depending on the size that you raise to, I I, I imagine you're probably just gonna jam, um, which is like two x. So basically, when you jam two x on the river, you need to fold out like sixty six percent of their range or so to to raise profitably. So then, like, I ask myself, okay, so like. What is the bottom, what's the best hand that's in the bottom 66% of their range? And I think the answer to that is two pair. Um, while like top pair, top kicker, and then over pairs make up a decent chunk of it, it you know, it's, that's probably like 40% or so. You're going to have to start folding out the next tier of hands. And that's probably going to be in like the two pair region or mm. or the set region, right? So th- that that's why I kind of make that distinction as like what, as like, you know, how do I feel about trying to fold out two pairs um, at a very high frequency? Just because I think th- that's the category of hands you need to fold out at a very high frequency in order to make jam profitable. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I think that's a that's actually a really that's a really good process for trying to figure out like what hands do I need to fold out on this river for my for my jam to be profitable. It's just like so, just to like kind of rephrase it. So you're starting to think about like, okay, what hands bet the river this size? Or sorry, what hands? What's the range that value bets the river this size? And then you need to fold out about two thirds of those, those hands, what is like, so we know that like the bottom end of that value batting range is going to be like, um, uh, like ace queen and like overpair, overpair type hands. Maybe that like brings us up to, you know, like 30% fills up like half of the 66 that we need to fold out. And then in order to fill up the rest, the, the last like 33%, we need to move up one more category of hand, which is going to move us up to like the two parent set region. And if we can't fold out any of the two pair set region, then we're just not getting enough fold equity from their range um, to justify bluffing the spot. Yeah, and, and you got to fold out like over pairs and top air, top air, top kickers like on on an absolute basis, right? Mm-hmm. I think 
all of this is sort of stretching the imagination as it relates to to generating enough folds by jamming the river here. And the only and the reason that we only care about their value region when they bet the size on the river is because we could just check call with our 10 and beat the entire bluffing region. So we don't gain anything from folding out their king jacks or their bricked hearts or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it is like, it's an interesting conundrum where they're like king jacks and ace jacks will make up some portion of their folding range. So like they, they, they could like, you know, buoy you up to potentially 66. hit hit the 66% marker and i think that's okay and that that is a part of it like because they just will have some some brick draws here that you fold out uh but even still you know even if like you know assuming that you're you're not calling the river here they essentially when you're not calling the river here and you need about 30 percent equity to call you're, you're saying that they have less than 30 percent air in their range like right. that, otherwise that, we would just call with jack 10 otherwise you would just call right so you're going to get like you know 25 percent fold equity or 20 percent fold equity from folding out their air then you have the top pair top kickers then you have the over pairs and then you have the two pair to make it to that 66 percent marker and i just think it's it's going to be tough like you you're really you're going to need to fold out some some really really strong hands and um i i just think it's tough to hit whereas you know clicking call clicking call if it is a mistake it's going to be much smaller and it's going to be really close like one way or the other i think All right this is a like, spot where they have where they have tons and tons of natural bluffs right that we, I would think we so. wouldn't surprise to see if we check called here with a 10 and one so yeah, yeah. Okay. okay like ace nine king jack ace jack king nine heart heart Hearts, yeah five uh, six ace king whatever. maybe like you know so you jam <laughs> with all of that. Said, <laughs> if there's any fold. doubt about what I was going to do. <laughs> you jam, they fold, um, and they fold it straight. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good for the, the prospects of generating enough fold equity here when you're folding out straights. Yeah, maybe we can get up to the 66. I feel pretty good about getting up to the 66% if, if they're folding this hand. Yeah, if they're folding straights. And I think like one thing, to, one thing that I, I, I always consider here you know, is that, yes, this opponent folded a straight. Will every opponent fold a straight here? Um, will the majority of your opponents fold a straight here? And the, the villain that's not folding a straight, it, it, against the villain that's not folding a straight, are they folding a set? Are, are they folding not. two pair, right? So, like, you know, there, there's a, also this, like, spectrum of opponents that you'll play against where, like, some will be capable of, of like, folding everything and some will be capable of folding nothing and that makes things really tricky when you're playing on a, an anonymous platform. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You usually run into like one of those two extremes. Yeah. Like the player is just like, oh, they just always have a flush here and they fold everything or the player who looks at a set and is like, well, this is kind of the same thing as a straight. So if I'm folding this, I'm folding straights, so I just can't fold this. And then yeah. you get looked up by seven, eight of clubs or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, all right, hand number one, John. Plus one, Brad minus one. Stick around after the break to raise or not to raise the river. That is the question that we'll try to answer. Coming right back. Are you a lone wolf searching for the ultimate pack? The CPG Wolf Program is a close-knit brotherhood hell-bent on one thing only, chasing poker greatness. 
powered by bleeding edge wolf strats and led by Coach Brad and his lieutenants, CPG wolves are systematically prepared for almost any spot they'll encounter on the green felt. If you want to plug into an elite team and have a step-by-step -step game plan to realize your full poker potential, you can apply at cpgwolves.com. Space is limited, and the pack is only as strong as its weakest member. So only the hungriest, grittiest, and most driven will be accepted into the program. Applications are open at cpgwolves.com. All right. Welcome back from the break. Mr. John, you want to take the reins and start breaking down the second hand? Yeah, so this one's played at 2-5 zone, so we're not going to have any good reads or a good feel for who we're playing against, so we're just going to go off of sizing and stack sizes like we usually do. Folds around to the button, opens the 2.5x off 100 big blind stack, probably safe to assume he's a reg. Small blind starts with $170 and flats the open, so we can be pretty sure that the small blind is a fish. Um, I'm in the big blind with ace-8 off, um, would be peeling here, even just for facing the button open, but really, really happy to get in there once the small blind fish is giving us a good price to peel. Small blind starts out by checking, I assume. Yeah. yeah. What's the board? Oh, nine, nine, six, five, two tone, two hearts. We have the ace of hearts, so we flop over card, gut shot, and the backdoor nut flush draw. 3750 in the middle. Small blind fish starts out by checking. I'm going to be checking range here as well. Big blind goes out, sticks out one third size the button, flop C the bet. button sticks oh, out. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. The button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, this is tough. This is tough. We we might need to add a trio here to to read boards. Um the button bets a third, three ways, five, six, nine, nine, five of hearts, small blind folds. John check calls. Um I, I Have think you both... thought about folding here? Yeah. No. <laughs> uh I I'll say. There's, there's no, I, I don't, there's not a world where you can fold, especially having the backdoor nut flush draw. Like I, I think that's kind of like a critical. It's like a really, really important piece of the equation. I, I would actually consider raising the flop. Um, yeah, I think that would that would be my. <laughs> I would almost prefer raising here than flatting. But yeah, like essentially, like this hand is such a great candidate to raise. It blocks straights, um, and it gives you a hand that can barrel on flush completers on the turn of the river that aren't flushes or straights or sets or whatever. Right. So, so I think like having the nut flush blocker is like really, really, really nice here and chunking this into your like check raise range where you have a bunch of flush draws, you have a bunch of like, uh, hands that have a lot of equity. This hand doesn't have a ton of equity, but it has great properties that would allow it to, to do well, I think in your, your holistic, flop check raise strategy. Um, so like that, that would be the way that I would go. We'd just start with the check raise here and then, you know, barrel a lot of hearts uh, and, you know, kind of play turns and rivers like as they come. So the one thing that I'm like, that that's like really, I don't know, like the reason I even asked about like just folding here in the first place and then um, probably the reason why I was a little uh tentative about check raising here was that like i did not think that this is like even close to a range bet from the button. i don't either um uh, okay and just thought that this like was worried that like basically when the button decides to 
So you bet three ways, um, you know, on this very, very dynamic board that they're just going to have so much equity in their C betting range that um, check raising here would be, I don't know, was worried about like punting basically versus a player that decides to C bet this spot. I mean, to me, it's like, you know, it's strategy against strategy, right? And I just like ask myself, how does ace eight off with the ace of hearts fit into my holistic strategy? And I think mm -hmm. like check raising is a really good place for it. And yeah, like you're probably right that the button is pushing too much equity when they bet here three ways, especially with the the short stack fish. Um, but with that said, like your hand does have great properties to check raise against, um, you know, over pairs even, right? Like it, yep. it's not like, um, like you can generate lots of folds downstream if you start with check raise against over pairs here on the flop. Um, and you, you may be peeling like every single seven, eight off in this spot too. Like that, that's another, mm -hmm. like you could just have every seven, eight off because the small yeah, blind the flats so and then, then you, you complete as well. So yeah, I think like you just have so many good hands here that this, this like low, lowish equity hand would just fit really, really well into your check raise range. Yeah. I, I, I really like check raise now after, after talking it over with you. I mean, like, I, I think one thing that we didn't even mention is that like check call like the downside of check calling here is just like the the real lack of implied for us it's like yeah we have a gut shot but like you know what happens when we make a seven like yeah we have a backdoor nut flush draw but like what happens when it goes heart heart like do we ever you know can we reasonably expect yeah. to win like large pots probably not like we're not really coolering anyone at, at that point um because of because the just like the obviousness of when our draws get there so uh, yeah, I think that's another kind of another reason to just check raise this hand versus check calling and just trying to take my equity getting a good price. Nice. Agree to agree. Turns the eight of hearts, which by the way, for the listener, the board is now five, six, eight, nine with the nine, eight, five of hearts. And boy, it would have been nice to check raise with this on the flop. You, you would have gotten the rare. <laughs> yeah, definitely turn this one into a bluff. This is, this is the one that you should absolutely turn into a bluff, but now we're here and I'm guessing you check. Yeah. You check the flop. I think, or the turn, man, this, this turn is like so interesting, like in so many various ways. Like I think you could lead Bonk. the turn. Um, yeah. and I think that would be pretty reasonable on this four straight flush completer, uh, versus what's presumed to be a pretty overpair heavy button range. But I guess checking, you also get to fully realize. So anyway, this is, a good card to make my argument about check raising the flop. Um, you not? How do you not realize when you start out with donk? You get jammed on? That doesn't happen. You donk small enough where you don't get jammed. Yeah, I, 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 again, like I'm making like arguments against what I actually did in game. I think donking here is way better than check calling. Again, mm. and um, yeah, I, I, yeah, think that I should have uh, gone for the check raise on the flop. And if I had, if I didn't go for the check raise on the flop, I definitely think I should have donked this turn. Because again, like all the same things happen on this turn that. I was talking about on the river it's like okay yeah great i have enough less draw and like enough equity to call maybe like my pair of eights is good but like if i don't improve on the river do i ever get to call with my eights do i just get bluffed by the same range of hands that's bluffing this turn anyways um and then when i make a heart on the river again like what do i do do i like donk sometimes do i like check you know do i go for a check raise and like hope to just basically like get one bet out of like a bluff or a flush that's like value betting itself on the river so all, for all those reasons i just i just like donking here better than check calling which is which is what i end up doing yeah you know what's really funny about all this is i would just fold the turn <laughs> facing this bet like i if i check called the flop i would check fold the turn um once they bet big and we're out of position on the three flush and four straight like i just think they have 
so many flushes in the range. Like it, it's just, I, I don't really, I, I don't know how to turn a profit here. Check calling with ace eight, um, with the ace of hearts, like, oh, we, we river a four flush. Great. Like now we're just like magically going to get a bunch of money out of the villain, um, on the four flush. Like that's so anyway, like I just don't see a, a, a clear path to victory check calling here. So like I would, if I check call the flop, I would just check fold this turn specifically. Um, but I guess you're a different man who's there's almost going a down part a of me path. There's like a sick, like I'm sick, maybe too strong, but there's like a part of me that's like on this turn when I check call with an ace eight of hearts that I'm like, I hope he has a good hand. Like I hope he has a seven or a small flush. Like well, I would rather they have like like yeah okay it's it's nice of like if when they do have like bluffs and like we check raise the river but like I, there's like a part of me that's like hoping that I face another bet on the river that's like not all in. Well, that part of you that is sick is the part that's saying they almost only have really good hands here. That's the <laughs> like I, I think by check calling the turn yeah, it makes that sense is. that you're happy that you hope they have a strong hand because I think they almost only have really strong hands when they bet the turn here, um, and. I think that's kind of the problem is like, it's just not, not to mention, and this is like kind of an outlier event. The six, seven of hearts is a straight flush. I think on, you know, like the six of hearts, the seven of hearts, the 10 of hearts, like the queen of hearts, there are hearts that come out when you like check and they big bet the river that you don't, you don't even want to jam because like jamming feels like a punt. Um, mm -hmm. As like even if the queen of hearts comes and you check and they overbet rip, I would make an good an argument that you should probably just fold facing. I, the I was rip. uh I was mostly thinking hoping that they would have good hands on the turn and that the river would brick and that they would bet those good hands on the river again and then I so can that you get could check jam. In. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the reason I was hoping they would have a good hand here. Gotcha. I mean, you could just I think you could just check raise the turn and jam the river too, right? Like there's. That that would that that's just another obvious Yeah. Another good good way to utilize the ace of hearts. Yeah. Yeah. But you check call. The river's the nine of diamonds, which that is a good card for you. This is just like the best probably one of the best rivers ever. Yeah. Flop was nine six five, two hearts, turn eight of hearts, completed a flush, rivers the nine of diamonds, so now it pairs the board. You check, please tell me this dude's not going to go for it. Or do that, whoever they are. Yeah, they bet the river. Um, oh, thank God. This is exactly this is what I was dreaming of on the turn. I was like, you just have a hand that's so good on the turn that you're not going to be able to bet. You're not going to be able to check back the river. And I'm going to have some, hopefully, I mean, this this was like especially good because the board paired and I, you know, have, have an eight, which... It's a little bit helpful in terms of blocking eights and like nine eight, but also just like on non heart rivers, um, just being able to use the ace of hearts as like a check jam here. I don't know how hopeful I am that I like fold out like a flush, but I'm pretty hopeful that I could fold out at least like a seven. Um, I think you'll fold out maybe flushes. I should. I think the ace of yeah. hearts still matters here on the river because, um, I think the ace of hearts blocker properties still matter on the river because when you jam. I think the primary hand that bluff catches would be the nut flush because mm -hmm. the nut flush could think that you're jamming lower flushes for value, but yep. all their lower flushes, 
like now they they're essentially capped at like a king high flush and a queen high flush and mm. a jack high flush and i think that's just really 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 good for your check jam like so you've got all you have like the perfect handed check jam with on this specific river you've got the eight blocker which let's be real probably doesn't matter that much in the grand scheme of things because they're probably not betting with the set on the turn mm. um and then you have the nut flush blocker which is probably their primary bluff catcher and yeah it's just oh man this this villain they asked for it and they received you you have my my seal of approval here with the river decision at least <laughs> played one street right uh they fold and yeah i it, it wouldn't surprise me for them to have like king queen of hearts queen jack of hearts i, I think hearts are the pri i think hearts are, are pretty much the the bulk of their their range um and they have the queen seven of hearts so you're right that the six of hearts river would not have been jammable well there's three hearts yeah. on the board the five eight and nine so there, there's actually a lot of hearts like there, there's already one straight flush available there's a lot that a lot of other ones um but yeah like final I have, question about this hand if you're 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 the guy on the button with the queen seven of hearts i think flop is fine turn is good too uh what do you do on the river with queen seven you just check back yeah whoa maybe depends <laughs> depends on who i'm playing against uh, like in zone in zone i check back i i think that like checking back is just i think you should probably be donking this river honestly instead of checking like on the nine pairing i think that the the nut advantage significantly changes from the turn to the river and that makes it to where like you should be donking um and i don't and i like when when you lack full houses in your range you just don't get to bet when the top card pairs like it, because you don't have the nut advantage and you, you expose yourself to getting just absolutely crushed like like in this spot with that said you also have to run into the opponent that can find these like crushing hands to jam yeah. the river with um and I, I think that the primary hands that are going to jam or that need to find jam are, are probably going to be straights. Um, some sort of like 7x that called the flop and then checks the river and then faces the big bet. I think the straights are going to be the most jammable hands. Um, and maybe population doesn't find that enough and that's going to allow you to value bet a flush. But I personally would check behind... Um, for all the reasons that I said, I just think like, I just, I, I, I don't like betting the river once there's full houses available and I don't have them. Yeah. I think also like a small consideration too, is just having a seven in your hand with the queen seven of hearts, like part of the, a big part of the range that you're hoping to get called by when you value bet the river with the flush is going to be the seven X straights. And I think when yeah. you actually have a seven in your heart to go along with your flush, it's probably an extra reason to to check back the river. Yeah, I agree. Well, I don't know where to stand on this hand. At I don't know if we have a day without incident or a day with incident. It that this this hand was kind of all over the place. I, but I thought I thought of the theme. I mean, we can't. This is the problem with Tactical Tuesday. We can't like blow the theme at the beginning because it just makes the hands not not interesting to follow along or just reveals the reveals what i'm going to do on the river but uh this i think the theme for this episode should be if you 
what is it? They never fold if you never try. The line yeah. from poker from poker coaching. Yeah, they they never fold if you never try. That's the truth. Um, this one feel really good, and they yeah. fold. So yeah. yeah, you get the fold. You you fold the the queen high flush. Look at the man go. Look at the man go. Somehow he lucky, winds lucky up. In, river. Somehow he winds up in the perfect spot on the river after check calling twice to find the the river jam. You see what you see what I mean on the turn though, where I, where I was kind of like, man, I really hope you have like a flush or a straight because like you have saying. to bet the river with those. Yeah, and yeah, I see what you're yeah. saying. Uh, now that now that you say say it like that, uh, actually makes a lot of sense. I think that's that's good, really good. Yeah. All right, that's all we got for this see week. week. See you in one week, I believe. How? Halloween? It's Halloween. Halloween. Ooh. Baby, Halloween. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast. Thank you.